Welcome to the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. I'm your host, Dave Quedal. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 6. It's our debut on the STL Today and St. Louis Post-Dispatch Podcast Network, and we're happy to be here. We've got a great show in store. I talk with McClure football coach Howard Brown about what it's been like preparing his Comets to play in the spring, his 15 seasons at Berkeley, and how he and his team navigated the unrest after Michael Brown was shot and killed in Ferguson in 2014. Berkeley is the only high school located in Ferguson. Steve Overby is going to join us to talk about the DeSmet football juggernaut, and we'll sprinkle in some softball and golf action too. Paul Kopsky is going to bring us the scoreboard and highlight performances, and we'll be joined by our intrepid reporters who are out in the field covering games. Among the games we're going to talk about are St. Mary's and Lutheran North, Chaminade and Trinity, Lindbergh and Summit, as well as Orchard Farm and Warrington. All that's coming up right here on the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. I'm now happy to be joined by McClure football coach Howard Brown. Howard, thanks so much for dropping by the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. We appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, David. Uh, you know, I always represent faith and hard work in North County and uh, Ferguson, Florida School District. So this is was going well. It is your second season at McClure, and the the comments and much. The, the Ferguson Florissant School District, Hazelwood, Jennings, Riverview Gardens, University City are among the districts that did opt into spring football. So I'm, I'm curious what it's been like for your guys this fall trying to keep their keep. What are they doing? Are they working out? What are you trying to do with your guys, man? Um, just continue to stay focused, um, you know, in our district and, and what we do in general is just trying to stay focused on the things that we can control, which we can control our grades, we can control our attendance and control our focus. And our focus is trying to make sure that if I had a tough time in that calculus class now, I can focus a little bit more on that class and, you know, turn that C into a B or possibly an A. And that would help me get my, you know, get a better opportunity for me to, you know, get into the university I want to get into and, um, and just, you know, continue to focus on our bodies as well. You know, we still, we have Zoom meetings. Um, you know, they, the kids are working out together, you know, um, hopefully this amazing weather continues so they continue to work out and have a good time and stay and stay healthy and just stay out the way. So, and, and that's the focus. Our guys, you know, there's so many different hardships that's going on right now with the economy, the way it is. And a lot of our parents, you know, uh, the ones who are hourly, you know, some of the hours have been cut you know, between March and now. So I have quite a few seniors who they have to work. Not They're not working to buy, you know, Jordans or video games. They're, they're working to, you know, help pay the rent, you know. So, um, you know, just focusing on family and focusing on trying to stay out the way. And what has it been like for your guys to to get their work in as far as, like you said, physically? I mean, are you allowed to use the weight room? Are you allowed to be on campus or is all of that not happening since in-person school isn't happening? Yeah, it's shut down. It's shut down. We can't get inside the building, but uh, one great thing about being in this area, you know, there's other high schools where the kids meet up at and they'll do some type of, you know, um, aerobic exercise or something like that, trying to keep themselves going, you know, running and jumping and, plyos and things like that um it's it, and it's it's quite amusing that you don't you don't really understand and know but it's so many people that do cross training they're mm-hmm. not affiliated with a high school so it's a lot of good coaches out there as well that you know help out and assist with the kids and you know and the kids love it you know and uh they're getting better because of it now like you said you're a north county guy you are a, a berkeley guy graduated 98 99 99 my apologies yeah, so gra- graduated berkeley 99 and and spent 15 years as the head coach of your alma mater and uh what what's it like to be a berkeley guy man because i know every everybody i've met from berkeley is pretty proud of the fact they're from berkeley it's a, it's a family it's a family you know when we moved from you know from walnut park you know to berkeley you know and from you know, by way of Mississippi, it's, it was just like home. It was just like home. Uh, from day one, you are welcomed into this, this elite, uh, brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, and it was just family, you know, from our uh, late principal, Mr. Mitchell, uh, to other principals, to the teachers, you know, it was just a family, you know, um, I always felt welcome. My mom and dad chose Berkeley over other places that, uh, wanted us to attend their high schools, but my mom was beyond happy. Uh, my mom and dad was both beyond happy with 
education, uh, with the environment and just what Berkeley brought to the table, you know, and, uh, we're products of, you know, Berkeley, obviously. And all my brothers and sisters all went to, you know, further educations at the university level and get their masters and things like that. But it was just, you know, it's a brotherhood, it's a sisterhood. It's a family. When you meet someone from Berkeley, you know, you give them a hug and it's just, they tell you what year they graduated. You tell them, year do you graduate? If, you know, if you guys didn't go to high school together, and it's just, it's just love. It's it's a love. It's it's a man. It's just something that you really can't describe in words. Because every time we drive, I drive by uh, where the old Berkeley was. I look to my right, always. It it, it doesn't matter. It's been it's been forever since I've been in high school. You just look over there because you're like that's where I played. You know, if I have my son with me and I tell him, you know, my youngest boy, I tell him, I say, hey man. That's where we play ball at. He, he'll look and everything, but um, that's that's pride. That's enjoyment. That's just, you know, it's just everything, you know. So um, you can't really describe it because it's just something that's in your blood. You know, like everybody has the same cheer. Like, it's in my blood. I cannot lie. But when you a Berkeley Bulldog, it's, it's forever today. So that's what it is. And – from Berkeley, you went to Mizzou, played football yep. for the Tigers. Where, yeah. where at again? O line or D line? I don't recall. Uh, both, both, oh, okay. both. Most most people don't know that I got recruited to play nose guard and uh, with Larry Smith, and uh, they gave me the opportunity. And uh, then when Coach Pinkle came in, um, you know, the in the Big Twelve back then, you know, you had to be three twenty, three thirty you know, uh, in order to play that nose guard position, that three technique. And then uh, when Coach Pinkle came in, you know, they wanted, you know, smaller, quicker guys to play, you know, interior D-line. So the big boys like myself, we all we started to switch over to play offensive line, which if you're a lineman in Missouri or pretty much anywhere, you play both, you played O-line and D-line in high school. So it was pretty much easy transition. And um, my, my passion, my enthusiasm for coaching started with the offensive line because – I was beyond curious on how they formulated the game plan. How did you, you know, what's the steps you go through to get prepared for Saturday afternoon? And um, it, it was, a, it was a great thing. Everyone thought I was crazy, but it turned out to be a great thing. I learned so much from coach Christensen, who was our office coordinator. So how long out of school before you, you got into coaching or, or were you coaching while in school? How did that kind of go? You know what? I did an internship. I had to do an internship um, to graduate. And um, so I did my internship at Columbia Hickman and uh, they offered me a job. They offered me a job. To, I think JP, I believe. Um, and I was like, no, I'm going back. I'm going back home. So as I graduate, I'm going back to St. Louis, I'm going back to Berkeley. And um, the head principal at the time, Mr. Mitchell, um, he, you know, he asked me, he was like, you know, what's your plans? I said, well, I would love to coach. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm helping out in Columbia right now. He said, well, you come back home, you know, we'll have a job for you. So um, on my graduation, opportunity presented itself, and I came back home, and um, I was teaching a class on, you know, job skills and resume building and things like that. And then I was coaching football, and um, probably within the first game, after the first game, I became the head coach um, because of some circumstances. But – uh, I became the head coach, and 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 yeah. From that day, we played uh played Cardinal Ritter, played Cardinal Ritter that second game, and uh, that was my first game coaching. Um, like in my life, to be the head coach was against Cardinal Ritter, and uh, so that was that. And how, when you look back at 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 the guy who got the job then to to the man you are now, how much didn't you know? You know what I mean? Like, like, how much did you have to learn from the moment you had to line up and get your guys ready for Cardinal Ritter? <laughs> um, I, I didn't know anything. I, I, I mean, like, honestly, like, the only thing I knew was how to play defensive line and play inside line, like, honestly. And, you know, as far as scouting, as far as breaking down film, as far as, you know, getting everyone prepared, you know, people used to kick onside kicks on us because we were too we, – we, we didn't line up correctly. Um, you know, people reversed on us, you know, because our defensive ends kept going. So, I, um, you know, I didn't know anything. We were all the guys that were with me. Thank God. Um, you know, we, we were just a bunch of guys, young guys, and we all, all, but we knew our position, but we didn't know how to coach. So 
coaches who were, you know, seasoned coaches, they would take advantage of it, which uh, they did the things, you know, when we got tired of, you know, people running reverses and double reverses and people running double passes on us, you know, and we were, we were not disciplined or structured. So uh, Faith and Hard Work came and the second year, um, the second full season, we lost about, I think we lost six games by a touchdown or less or 10 points or less. And then uh, the third year, we had our first winning season. You know, we were six and three. We beat Cardinal Ritter at their place. Um, and it was just kind of sweet justice based around the fact that a couple of years ago, we couldn't even, we couldn't play, be on the field with them. Uh, but we, we ended up beating them. Um, and that was 2007. And that was the first, our first winning season. And then 2008, went to the quarterfinals and got a taste of that. And that was amazing. And 2009, we went back down, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but we graduated everyone. But after 2000, 2008, 2009, we realized that we had to start preparing everyone, you know. And uh, from that point, you know, you, you kind of try to figure things out and staff changes. Uh, people leave, people come. And, and then, you know, we got the consistency that we needed. You know, and the consistency was just the fact that we made sure we developed everyone. You know, um, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. We were going to teach you the plays. So if someone got hurt, you can jump in and we wouldn't miss a beat as far as um, knowing the plays. Talent is talent. You know, you, you, it is what it is. But um, just a lot of life lessons, man. A lot of life lessons. You get beat enough times. You know, people laugh at you enough times. People tell you that you can't enough times either that's going to motivate you or you know or you're gonna you know put up the whistle and say you know I'm, I'm good to go I don't want to do this anymore and a lot of coaches that came in with me as far as head coaches they're not coaching anymore you know because it takes it takes so much out of you in order for you to try to perfect your craft and, and I feel like we are uh we're still working on perfecting the craft but I feel like we at the time at Berkeley I think we were we were consistent. We were consistent in the top five, top ten team in, in the class three. Um, our highest rank, our highest ranking was number one in the state. That was amazing, and uh, making it to the final four and 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 you know the final eight. That was consistent, and uh, a lot of man, ton of kids got college scholarships. Um, you know, kids were able to improve themselves as young people. So um, taking those whoopings. Back in two thousand and four and five and six, you know, it was uh, it was worth it because I, you know, I grew up. I grew up a lot. I grew up a lot, and I'm continuing to grow up. I'm I'm, I'm continuing to evolve along with everyone else. And you know, uh, when you listen and you learn, and and during this pandemic, um, I've done you know quite a you know quite a bit of reading, quite a bit you know focusing on you know the focus and just trying to improve and evolve as a mentor as a person. Um, you know, as a believer. So it's, it's, it's been a long journey uh, this time, but I thank God that I'm not 24 anymore and I'm starting my first year. Well, it, your journey has been marked with adversity along the way. I mean, 2014, uh, I don't know if, if listeners know this, but, but Berkeley is the neighborhood school for Ferguson. Michael Brown uh, was shot and killed, and, and then Ferguson was erupted in protest and, and, um, and, and, and it was just a really rough spot for a minute and your guys were there through it all. What was that experience like for you and your team? We talked about it then, but I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective now. Um, it's just constant. Like you, you never know when that test is going to come. You never know when certain things are going to come. I feel like I wish Obviously, I wish it never happened. I wish Michael Brown was still alive. Um, but when that adversity hit, it, it, it sent shockwaves through our neighborhood, through our area. Um, you know, and McClure South Berkeley was the only high school in Ferguson. It's the only high school in Ferguson. So uh, we were not able to practice. We were not able to do certain things. So we had to find ways how to practice, find ways how to get all the kids and galvanize the entire unit and to try to do the best we can to get better because we still had a game. We had we still had a game. You know, other team, you know, didn't have to deal with it. Um, one thing I told uh, everyone that interviewed us at the time, I'm like, my kids deal with uh, death all the time. It's, un it's an unfortunate truth. But a lot of my players over the course, over, you know, almost going on two decades now, 
they have dealt with adversity. They have dealt with pain and that type of pain of losing a parent when you're 15 or 16. That's worse than, you know, your friend dying or someone that you that you know through someone else that's, you know, passed away. So, you know, my guys, you know, they deal with it all the time. You know, the majority of them does, you know. So uh, when that happened, the guys were like, man, that's unfortunate. This is all bad. But, you know, you got to turn the page and get better. And I always and forever will applaud those seniors, that senior class, because I can only imagine how challenging it was to be interviewed all the time. You know, like, you know, national news came to St. Louis, CBS, ESPN, uh, worldwide news, you know. And so they were getting interviewed after practice every day, you know. So um, and I said, I'm so sorry because, you know, you want to have an opportunity to play ball and not be distracted. But the guys did an amazing job. Um, ESPN did the E60, um, you know, deal. I think that was that was done. That was done so, so masterfully. And it was just great. So I feel like a lot of people got a chance to see how amazing these young people are in North County and, you know, specifically Berkeley, Ferguson, Coo Valley, that Normandy area in Florissant. I felt like they got an opportunity to see them and see them in a different light because they're children, but they're children trying to understand how, how to maneuver and uh, navigate in this world that we live in, specifically young African-American men or African-American men in general. So um it was it's, it was challenging it was tough you don't realize what it you know how it is until the season ended man and I just I blacked out <laughs> yeah, I blacked out it was just like because you just go 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 and then when everything was done I got a chance to sit down and it was just like man can you believe what just happened? and and you sleep for about 13 hours but when you wake up going again so how how did that experience with with dealing with all of that craziness, has that helped you at all dealing with the pandemic? Obviously, North County in particular, the African, African-American community especially, has been hit hardest by the coronavirus. Um, what has it been like trying to navigate this new adversity that, that you all have to navigate? Um, honestly, like it's, it's very challenging, but your previous question kind of answered what I just said, kind of answered this one because we've been through so much adversity, you know, that this is just another test for a testimony. That's all it is to us, you know, and we're not, we're human. We, we hurt, we uh, are in pain. We want to play, you know, but obviously, you know, for us, and I believe this wholeheartedly that it's just right now it's not safe for us to play. Mm. You know, and, uh, you know, people say, well, what about these people? I'm like, that's none of my business. You know, I, I'm my focus has always been Berkeley kids, you know, and it's Ferguson Florissant children. That's my fo- that's been my focus since I was, you know, my early 20s. You know, so that's my focus. My focus is not anyone else. So for us right now, it's, it's best for us to be, you know, to do what we're doing right now and to focus on our education. So this test right here is just another test for another testimony that we'll have, you know, in a little while, you know, because the Michael Brown situation for us um, was just that, you know, and when we just continue to get better. So take adversity, turn adversity into, you know, a testimony. One of the things I've, I've always found uh, unique about your situation and, and, and pe- coaches in particular in situations similar to yours is, is the expanded role that a coach plays in these young men and young women's lives. I mean, one of my favorite memories of, of catching up with you at Berkeley is in, in the laundry room because you're just doing laundry. But you've got kids who don't necessarily have access to a washer and dryer and we talk then, and I'd like to talk about it now, but just but just the confidence it gives you to have clean clothes every day, I'd imagine that's a big deal for a lot of kids. I mean, it's, it's major because, you know, we play the likes of people, man, who um, I've walked into their equipment room, and I'm just like, man, it's like a miniature Mizzou, you know? And <laughs> um, you have people who take care of that, you know? I, I mean... You know, I was blessed. My mom was a technician when it came down to clothes, you know, and everyone, even, you know, way back in the 90s, <laughs> it's funny, way back in the 90s, you know, uh, we had white pants and my mom would take those pants and they would be brand new white, you know, but 
everyone hasn't been blessed with the mom and dad that I had. You know, I have. And so, you know, for us, we take it upon ourselves to just take the uniforms ourselves when we was at Berkeley and we will wash them, you know, and we do it now in McClure. You know, it's no different. That's just a rite of passage, you know, because when you take pride in your uniform and your clothes and in yourself, then, you know, you will go out there and feel like you're equal to whomever you're about to play. And so for us, we want to be stark white. You know, when we have a white <laughs> uniform, now we might have to soak it, you know, for about two weeks. And, uh, you know, and then we have to do this and do that with it. But you know what? That, those little extra dollars or, or that time that is spent doing those things, it's unparalleled when, when those kids get off that bus with white uniforms on, you know, at Blair Oaks. And whatever their impression, whatever their, they thought, was going to happen, I'm pretty sure they were surprised, you know, and mm. looking good, feeling good, being confident in yourself, all those things play a part in um, you improving as a person and as a man. So, you know, and people say, well, you're the head coach. Why don't you allow someone else to do it? So I'm like, I know the type of white that I want the uniform to be. You know, like we we pick those uniforms, so we we know what they look like. You know, I don't I don't want anybody else doing it. So other coaches other coaches have done it. You know, have you know have cleaned the uniforms as well. But um, you know, we all kind of you know dig in deep. But I come back always to make sure that it, it looks exactly how you know we wanted to be first class always first class. So your group this year that was hoping to play in the fall that will play in the spring, coming off a nine and three season, made it to the district championship game and played St. Mary's, dropped a heartbreaker, eighteen fourteen in the district final. St. Mary's went on to play in the state semifinals. What do you return to your team this year, coach? And and what are you hoping to see out of these guys in the spring? Uh, we bring back our entire defense and offensive line. Um, you know, we, we lost a couple corners, but, uh, we bring back, you know, the interior part of our defense, uh, we bring back probably two of the best safeties in St. Louis and Deveon Cannon and Chris Robinson, uh, one of the best inside linebackers, Tyreek Smith, um, defensive line got some young guys up front and some guys that's hungry to try to prove and show that they were not just backups to is three other, three other young men that's currently at Missouri Southern right now. Um, all three of those guys were all first-team All-State guys, but um, these kids played behind them last year on the depth chart, so they just want their opportunity. Offens- offensively, we return offensive line. Uh, we return all of our receivers, you know, Cameron Gillespie, um, Marcus uh, Hawkins, you know, just name a couple guys uh, we're very excited about. The offensive line and, you know, Aaron Andrews, um, you know, he, he's, he's one of our top guys at guard and, uh, we're just really excited. We're really, really excited. Uh, we got to replace our quarterback. Well, we have a couple guys who have, uh, worked, worked their tails off and we're excited to see them in live action. Uh, the tailback position, you know, Cameron Cole graduated, but we're excited about the guys that we have and, uh, they've been working, working their tails off as well to put themselves in a great position. So uh, we're excited. I mean, like, we are beyond excited. You know, to watch those guys, you know, for the short time we had them in the summer, it was just, it, it was like, wow, okay. <laughs> we're excited about this. We're excited, you know. And so um, people's asking me, it's like, well, are you worried about your kids' <clears throat> health? I said, no. I said, what you see in the spring is you're not going to see the same thing in the fall uh, of 2021. You're just not, you know, because those kids are seniors. You know, so we have we we because people say, well, you had you had high hopes. No, we have high hopes. You know, mm. because in the, the day, watching watching what I've seen and what people will see come spring, it's it's going to be amazing. It's going to be some amazing football played this spring. My dad, my dad, and my uncles, and everyone else that's high school football junkies get an opportunity to watch football. You know, right now, you know, in the fall, and you got the spring, you got the fall again in twenty twenty one. So. You're going to get an overload of football, and um, and I think it's going to be amazing. I think that all the schools in North County that are opting to spring go have a great opportunity to have the the, the Power Five conferences come and watch uh, practice, watch games. Um, that is very similar to how it is down south, you know, in Texas and Florida, where they have spring ball. So 
I think that this is going to turn out uh, a lot more positive than some people think, you know, um, but I applaud, you know, our administrators and our athletic directors um, who have worked tirelessly to try to get this together where the kids can get opportunity to play and at least get some type of film. And, you know, and I believe that if you are, you know, you're, if you are, you know, meant to have something, you're going to have it because it's just, it's meant to be, you know? So um, I'm just hoping and praying that all the seniors and that's not playing right now, get that opportunity in the spring and uh, still get the opportunity to play college football. If that's what they've earned. Well said. Howard Brown, thank you so much for joining us on the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show, man. Appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, man. Everybody remember faith and hard work. Thanks so much to McClure football coach Howard Brown for dropping by and giving us some time. Up next, Steve Overby is going to join us to talk about his interesting week right here on the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. I'm now joined by Steve Overby of stlhighschoolsports.com, sports writer extraordinaire who covers a variety of athletic endeavors for us. And this uh, this week, Steve, your interesting week started out on Saturday checking out the defending Class 6 champion DeSmet Spartans taking on rival down the street, CBC. Uh, what what was that game like? How, how did it go, Steve? I'll tell you what, DeSmet looks really, really good, Dave. They have not lost a beat. I mean... Uh, you know, clicking on offense, clicking on defense, special teams look good. Uh, they just dominated, and uh, CBC's not a bad team, obviously, and they uh, they just took control in the trenches and uh, made it worse than it could have been. I mean, they were just all over the place. That offense looks really good. As you know, they got three running backs, all D1 guys, and they take turns rotating in, and uh, they're, one's always fresh, and they're just, they just grind you down to a, grind you to a pulp on, uh, on defense. You just can't stop them. One of the most impressive things I found about DeSmet last year, and then I did watch some of the game online on Saturday, was they, they've they rotated quarterbacks. Ever since Nate Martins graduated and took his talents to Northern Iowa, they've ne- they haven't had that, that Brett Gabbard or even Aiden Robinson Wayne guy under center. They've had a couple of different guys take the, take the wheel, and Saturday was no different. They split the time between the two QBs. And they were both pretty proficient leading that offense. Yeah, I asked Coach Steeples about that. I said, you know, before postseason rolls around, which is quicker than you want it to be, are you going to choose one? And he said, no, he's comfortable with the two men set up. He said they both earn playing time. They're both strong and in practice, and he can't choose between one. And he's going first and third quarter with one, second and fourth quarter with another, and he thinks that could uh, that could work. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, he's confident in it. It seems like the uh, running backs and the offensive line are comfortable with both guys. So we'll just go with that two-quarterback system for as long as you can and uh, see if it works. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, so they are making- awful good. Oh, I'm sorry. The, making the defensive effort by DeSmet even more impressive was a, a lot, senior starting linebacker Carter Edwards, who led the team in tackles last year, did not play Saturday because he had an emergency appendix surgery right before uh, the weekend and was unavailable. He's hopeful two to three week recovery time he might be able to get back on the field. But to bottle up CBC's explosive offense the way they did without one of their main senior starting pieces, I mean, that DeSmet machine is ready to roll, man. Yeah, they uh, they just threw a blanket over them. And uh, I call him Mr. Wingo because he's that big, but he was sideline to sideline, 11 tackles. I mean, they tried to run away from him, and it didn't even work. I mean, he has got speed. He's got talent. He's got a little bit of everything. And uh uh, he was very, very impressive. I mean, he took over that game defensively. There were series where he just was everywhere. I mean, when a tackle needed to be made, he was there. Sideline to sideline, end to end, he is a monster. So DeSmet's playing St. Louis U High tonight. Paul Kopsky is going to drop by and give us the score from that game later in the show. But next week, as far as, as of right now, DeSmet is open with, with no opponent, and w- they may or may not play somebody in the final week of the regular season. So that if that holds true, that would be just two regular season games, then jumping in into winter or go home with the district that includes the aforementioned cadets of CBC and a really good Francis Howell team and a pretty 
rock-solid Marquette team who had a nice win over Marquette or over Kirkwood last week, excuse me. So I, I'm curious how the Spartans handle this nutty season going forward. Yeah, normally that would be a very, very risky proposition. But the way they looked last Saturday, I mean, they seem to be in midseason form, even though they're not. Uh, you know, Coach Steeples played in the NFL for three years, and he was on the practice squad of several NFL teams. And he seems to know how to make practices fun, but get them efficient and get the kids ready. And they looked ready on Saturday. So you also had some softball duties for us this week. What was that like for you, Steve? Well, it's uh, regional, it's district time in this week, and uh, got to see probably one of the best pitchers that not too many people know about from Rosati Kane, Maya Bethany, a little left-hander. She struck out 17 last night Ooh. in a win over Windsor in the semifinal. She's actually struck out 20 in a regular season game, a 3-1 to one win over Nerex Hall in uh, October 8th. And this girl's the real deal. I think her size, she's about 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, That's the reason the uh, D1 people are not calling. She's going to end up at Lindenwood, where her father, Corey, is the running backs coach. So it's all going to work out. But uh, she is very tough, and uh, she's going to be hard to beat. Corey Bethany, the former St. Mary's football coach, now at Lindenwood, like you said. Yeah, she's, uh, she's pretty dynamic with a bat in her hands, too. She's one of Rosati's top hitters. Yeah, and she's also, in fact, she scored the first run of that game. Basically, they walked her intentionally because they don't, they don't pitch to her. And she went from first to third on just a normal bunt down the first base line. I mean, she never stopped, and she was on third by the time they fielded and threw to first. They didn't even have a chance to go across the diamond. She's got lightning quick speed. And I think in college, she might be doing a little bit more than just pitching. So we'll have to see, but there's a big upside to, to Maya. And you... You had talked earlier in, in a previous episode of the show about a really good Fort Zumwalt West softball team. How did they do? They have won their regional as well. They're led by shortstop Julia Crenshaw, who is a good candidate for our player of the year. She can hit. She can field. Her fielding strength is just amazing. I mean, she really looks like a, a professional shortstop out there. She ranges deep in the hole. She can go over the bag. She can turn a double play. And uh, she's going to Mizzou. So, uh Larissa Anderson got on her early, and uh, she's going to be a Tiger. So we'll see. Zuma West has a pretty good shot. They're already into the sectional round next week. So keep an eye on the uh, on the Jaguars. First district title for West in how long? Do you know? Uh, no, it's been a while, though. They're, they're always in a really super tough district. They're not that bad a team. They just get stuck in with uh, with some big dogs, and that makes it difficult. But uh, finally, they've uh, they've advanced, and they uh, they are going to be dangerous. They will be a tough out. And you also had golf duties for us this week, yes? Yeah, we went uh, we went out to Illinois where they had the sectional rounds and uh, got to see some players out there. This season is over in Illinois. The last they uh, the last round was the sectional round, but uh, Alton Marquette's uh, standout girl Gracie PR finished second, so that was in a very good sectional. So it wouldn't be too far fetched to say that she finished second in state. And the modern day boys also finished second to Vandalia in their sectional, and that was a power packed. 1A sectional. So again, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that could have been a state tournament uh, tournament as well. So golfing is done in Illinois now. So what's on your docket for this next week, Steve? It's always interesting. Yeah, tomorrow we have a softball game, Troy against uh, Columbia, Rockbridge of Columbia, which is like the power team of the decade. They are 26-0. and 0. They've won 17 games by 10 runs or more. Wow. Nobody's come close to them. Troy is the only one that's given them a game, and Troy lost 11 to six earlier in the season. So a rematch tomorrow for the district final could be a, could be interesting. We'll see if Troy learned anything from that loss. Maybe if they can derail Rockbridge, but right now they're, they're talking state title in the mid Missouri. Excellent. Well, thanks for dropping by Steve. We always appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks again to Steve Overby for dropping by and sharing his interesting week. Up next, Paul Kopsky is going to run through the scoreboard with highlight performances right after this break. And now joining us with the scoreboard, Paul Kopsky. All right, thank you, Dave. Lutheran North improves to 3-0 with a 33-20 win over St. Mary's. Lutheran North coach Carl Reed says St. Mary's gave the Crusaders a battle. A uh, tough team, uh, one of the premier teams in the state in St. Mary's. Uh, very well coached, great club across the board. Uh, we were lucky to get out of there with a win today. Our guys have been in big games before, so we've had a lot of big game experience with our guys knowing that this, this stayed the course for the full 48 minutes. 
Elsewhere, CBC rolls past Vianney 42-3. to It was Kirkwood over Ledoux 20-7. to Kirkwood quarterback Cannon Neslidge 198 yards passing and a pair of TDs. Marquette blanks Oakville 38 to nothing. Chris Cray, another big game. He rushed for 201 yards, five touchdowns. Eureka, a winner over Melville 47 to 17. Chaminade edges Trinity 9 to 7. It was Lindbergh slipping by Summit 27 to 23. Fort Zumwalt South, a big winner over Francis Howell North 44 to 7. DeSmet defeats Slew 38 to 22. Parkway North over Parkway South, 24-20. Francis Howell, 41. Timberland, 13. Duchenne blanked Winfield, 49 to nothing. Jamond Mathis rushed for 121 yards and scored four touchdowns for Duchenne. Farmington gets by Festus, 10-7. Parkway West over Webster Groves, 55-20. Fox defeats DeSoto, 49-7. It was Lafayette over Parkway Central, 40-7. Lafayette quarterback Blake Mysick, 301 yards passing, four touchdowns. MICDS outscored St. Dominic 56 to 40. Orchard Farm downed Warrington 38 to 7. Borgia, a big winner over Hillsboro 35 to 8. It was Washington over Fort Zumwalt East 48 to 20. Holt blanked Francis Howell Central 42 to nothing. Jefferson 50, Chaffee 6. Fort Zumwalt North hammered Liberty 55 to 6. Fort Zumwalt West over Troy. 28 to 16. Missouri Military defeats Crystal City 64 to 28. Valley Catholic, a big winner over Herculaneum 67 to 12. Seckman gets by Park Hills Central 35 to 33. Northwest Cedar Hill defeated Afton handily 56 to 7. Jackson over Cardinal Ritter 56 to 32. And O'Fallon Christian down Westminster 48 to 21. And Dave, that's a look at the scoreboard. Thanks so much to Paul Kopsky for dropping by with all the scores and highlight performances on a busy Saturday night. And remember, you can read all about it at stlhighschoolsports.com and in the Saturday St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Up next, we're going to audible as two of our guys couldn't call in tonight. So we're going to start with Greg Upton, who was out at the big Warrington Orchard Farm game. And then Ben Vess is going to wrap up the show talking St. Mary's and Lutheran North off of Lucas and Hunt. Stick around. I'm now joined by Greg Upton, who was out in Warrenton and Orchard Farm tonight. What happened out at your game, Greg? Well, Dave, it was a, a battle of uh, GAC North teams. Uh, Warrenton came in with a uh, perfect 3-0 and mark in the GAC North, actually 3-4 and overall, so they were 0-4 in conference play, playing some pretty strong teams out of conference. Uh, but 3-0 and in the GAC North and had a chance – to win their first outright conference title since 2001. Orchard Farm came in at 2-1. and one. St. Charles West is also 2-1. and one. Uh, So Orchard Farm could tie Warrington with a win, and that's exactly what they did tonight. They pull out a 38-7 win on the Warriors' home turf and ensure the, assure themselves of at least a two-way tie, and then St. Charles West will have a chance to make it a three-way tie when they play St. Charles tomorrow. So we could be looking at a three-way tie. Uh, for the top spot, which is the last time Warrington actually won a conference title. It was a three-way tie with those same two teams uh, back in 2017. So Warrington had a chance to do it, but they were without their top playmaker tonight uh, in Quincy McRoberts. Actually, their top two uh, running backs, both out due to uh, quarantine. Both were in quarantine. Uh, And so Quincy McRoberts, who came into the uh, game as one of the leading rushers, eighth in the entire St. Louis area in rushing and 11th in uh, scoring. So, I mean, that's a big playmaker that the Warriors were missing tonight. And the Eagles had their two playmakers, A.J. Snow, dynamic quarterback back there. He's uh, uh, in the top five in passing in the in the area. He's in the uh, top ten in rushing, and he's also uh, third in – or well, he was fifth in scoring and third in touchdowns coming in. So, A.J. Snow had a big night, and Latarian West had a big night for Orchard Farm running the ball. They had all five touchdowns tonight. And A.J. Snow is – he's headed to the next level. He's going to a military academy. Do I have that right? Yeah, I believe so. I, I was going to ask him that after the game, and I, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I, I believe that is that is correct. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a good one out there. Um, really kind of the, you know, play of the game, maybe a turning point there. You know, Warrington – got the ball first and even without their top, you know, gun on offense, they still were able to, to do some things and, and run it. And they, they had a freshman, uh, Joe Goldsmith who came in and, and did a couple nice things and he got, 
them into the end zone early on, and they were up seven nothing just two two and a half minutes into the game. It looked pretty good for the Warriors, uh, and then a big turning point in the game came uh, for Orchard Farm. Their their center had a little trouble. Uh, with the shotgun snap tonight, he airmailed it over AJ Snow's head a, a couple times, but on the very first one, he he snapped it over his head, but Snow was able to recover it, mm. uh, or he was able to pick it up. So the, the 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 play started on the 31. He picked it up at probably the 15 or 20, Whoa. and he ends up turning it into a touchdown. He was able to to beat all the defenders, run down the sideline. It was a, officially a 69-yard touchdown, but in essence, more like an 85, 80-85-yard touchdown run when it was all said and done with how much he ran. And that was a huge turning point in the game, and, and Orchard Farm went up 8-7 to because they don't they don't kick extra points, really. They don't have a kicker uh, that can do that, so they, they go for two all the time. And they were up 8-7 to after that, and, and it really, you know, turned the tides because if, if they don't score and Warrenson can hold them, you know, maybe it's a different ball game. Um, so that was a big turning point. And then uh, it stayed. It, so you had two touchdowns in the first three minutes of the game. Looked like it was going to be a high-scoring affair because both of these offenses came in at a pretty good scoring clip on the season. And so it looked like it was going to be a, a, a high-scoring affair. Well, it stayed 8-7 to seven then for the next 19 and a half minutes. Nobody scored until there was less than a minute left in the first half. Mm -hmm. Latarian West was able to punch it in for Orchard Farm, so a big touchdown for them. They get the uh, touchdown and two-point conversion, and so they go up 16-7 to at the half. They get the ball coming out of the locker room at halftime. They are able to compile a 12-play drive that took six minutes and 14 seconds, so more than half of the third quarter coming right out of the locker room. And they're up 22 to seven. They missed the, the two point conversion. Um, and ironically, later on in the fourth quarter, they had another 12 play, six minute, 14 second drive wow. to seal to seal the win, 38 to seven uh, on the touchdown by West. So yeah, the two playmakers for them, Latarian West and AJ Snow, really did their job tonight, and and really did a good job for Blake Arnett's crew tonight. It, it appears that it Snow appears. is being chased by both Air Force and the Navy. So I don't know if he's officially committed, but that's what his Twitter page says. Fantastic well, job. Go ahead, Greg. Well, I was just going to say it's 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 fitting that he's being chased by both because he can do it through the air and he can do it on the land. So either one will be fine with him. <laughs> well, the Navy is in the ocean. but that, Well, they're we'll, in the ocean. We'll let it go. But, but, yeah, <laughs> but you got you to go on the ground to get to the ocean. So <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not the Army, but he's able, to do, he's able to do it in all different ways. And so, yeah, they're both uh, uh, very wise to go after him. He's, he's done a nice job for them. Well, it'll be interesting to see what St. Charles West can do tomorrow on Saturday against St. Charles, their rival. St. Charles West was in a quarantine last week, didn't play. That's part of the reason why their game got pushed to Saturday morning at 11 a.m. This quarantine stuff, man, is is biting all kinds of teams. The Four Rivers Conference today didn't get to Pacific. Sullivan and Union were all off. St. Clair had to take off earlier in the season. It's, It's part of the nuttiness that is 2020, man. It is, yeah. You just it's it's all the teams just have to navigate the new normal at least for this season, and and you know hopefully in the future things will calm down a little bit and it won't be that way. But at least for this season, you know, in this foreseeable future into the winter and spring, everybody's just gonna kind of have to yeah deal with that. And you may have guys that are gonna miss you know one or two games, but in football especially you know one or two weeks and and you're just gonna have to kind of roll with it and 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 hope you don't have a huge outbreak uh you know if you just get a little one or whatever, you just gotta kind of roll with it and it's kind of the next man up kind of thing and it really is that really is the the truth uh this season for everybody awesome well, thanks so much, Greg, for checking in. We missed you last week. We're glad you're back. All right. Yep. No problem. My pleasure. We will uh, we'll talk to you again next week. I'm now joined by Ben Vessa, who was out in North County tonight checking out St. Mary's and Lutheran North in a showdown of two very talented ball clubs. What was happening off of Lucas and Hunt tonight, Ben? Yeah, a lot of talented players out there tonight. And, uh, you know, the game really came down to turnovers. Uh, Lutheran North. Although their defense has been excellent the first two games that they played, they'd only forced one turnover. And uh, and 
that was the story of the game. They forced four turnovers, uh, returned two fumbles for touchdowns, uh, and then withstood a a big second, uh, a big third quarter, really, by St. Mary's offense, especially uh, their wide receiver Kevin Coleman, uh, and uh, held on to win 33-20 in a uh, a very entertaining but uh, mistake-plagued uh, game. So I was watching some of that. Big Travion Ford, the Mizzou recruit, he had a big play in that game. He, uh, what did he do to to kind of turn the tide a little bit, give the Crusaders some breathing room? Yeah, yeah, he he was all over the place for the for the first half. You know, St. Mary's was trying to run the ball, and he was he was making tackles on inside. He was making tackles on the uh, along the sideline. He was just uh, he was everywhere. And then the end of the uh, that they were. Lutheran North was up a nine nothing about a minute to go at halftime, and uh, Terrence Fuller, uh, another uh, defensive lineman that was just in the backfield all all game, uh, came in and and sacked the St. Mary's quarterback Karan Span, jarred the ball loose loose and uh, and and um, yeah, and he scooped it up and uh, and took it in for the touchdown. Um, and uh, yeah, Ford uh, he kind of stiff armed somebody on the on his way, but uh, once he once he picked it up, he ran about 15 yards and scored, made it 15 nothing at the half. And uh, you know the the yardage was pretty even throughout the game. The Lutheran North really didn't run the ball very well in that first half, uh, but they were up 15 nothing. Uh, mostly, you know, three turnovers that they caused in that first half uh, gave them that lead. And what was it like? Up front, because both of those teams trot out some big beef on their lines, offensive and defensive. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Travion Ford after the game. He said that's the best offensive line they faced so far, and it, it was physical. And you know, uh, um, McClendon on the uh, on the St. Mary's side uh, was getting in the backfield as well. You know, the the defensive lines really, I thought. Uh, did a great job by both teams uh, being able to kind of slow down the running games of both teams. Um, and it was, there was some physical play in that, in those trenches. Um, yeah, really, uh, really well-played game. And special teams are always a big part of this. Lutheran North was out there kicking field goals. <laughs> How about that? I know. They even punted a couple times. I know I saw an article that, uh, that you wrote. A kind of wait, 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 wait. Carl yeah, they, Reed punted. Yeah, they sent a punter he out there. He promised me he wouldn't punt. <laughs> yeah, no, he kicked some field goals. He punted, um, but uh, the game kind of changed in the third quarter. They they, uh, they blocked him. He may not punt again because uh, St. Mary's blocked a punt, <laughs> and uh, and that kind of started them off. Um, and then Kevin Coleman, uh, the St. Mary's wide receiver, in the second half. Uh, kind of so he only had one catch for nine yards in the first half and the second half they went to him uh caught a a 40 yard touchdown pass on a slant and then ran then then they put him as quarterback they wanted to get him the ball you know if they weren't going to get him the ball as a receiver they were just going to get him the ball by the center so he uh he took a snap and uh and kind of faked his own read and ran it 35 yards and scored and it was 15 13 really close they you know really early in that third quarter. Um, but, uh, but I talked to Lutheran North coach Carl Reed after the game said, uh, you know, those kind of situations, momentum swings like that don't really phase his team because they've been in so many big games. Uh, and, uh, they came right down and, uh, and hit a big pass play, um, to, uh, Brian Brown hit, uh, Toriano pride for mm-hmm. a 60 yard slant pass, uh, moments after Coleman made it 15, 13, and then, um, and then on the very next possession, the fourth turnover, uh, Makai Parton uh, grabbed a, uh, a fumbled snap and returned it 50 yards for Lutheran North. It was the fourth turnover for St. Mary's, and that was kind of the killer. Uh, it made it 30 to 13, and uh, and St. Mary's did score again uh, at the very end of the third quarter. Made it 30 to 20 in like a really high-scoring third quarter, uh, but Lutheran North was able to to run the ball there in the fourth quarter. And they were able to stop, uh, stop St. Mary's with, with their pass rushers there in the fourth quarter and held on to win 33, 20. 
A lot of talent on that field. Young Mr. Coleman is one of the most sought-after wide receivers in the class of 2022. I think he's sitting at almost 30 D1 offers from everybody you've ever seen play on Saturday on national TV. Travion Ford headed to Mizzou. Toriano Pride is a guy with a ton of offers who's going to be able to pick wherever he'd like to go. Uh, A name I haven't heard a whole lot recently is Ali Wells. He's been their big Mm -hmm. running back for the, for the Crusaders. How did young Mr. Wells play tonight? You know, well, he was, uh, he was bottled up pretty good. He had a good fourth quarter. Like that's when it came time to, to salt the game away. uh, That's who was getting the ball. And he had some really tough runs, hard runs, getting some first downs uh, at the end. But the guy tonight, uh, Jalen Carson, was there uh, was their back and I know you know it's been pride one game it's been Wells one game today it was Jalen Carson ran the ball 12 times for 101 yards mm. uh, broke off a big 48 yarder uh, to get him to the one yard line and then he he ran it in for a touchdown uh, as well but he he had I, he's been uh, recovering from some injuries the last couple of years and uh, had a really uh, maybe a breakout game for him uh, he ran the ball really well for them tonight too Coach Reed keeps a pretty good stable of kiddos, man. That's a tough team to play. Ben Vesa, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again to McClure football coach Howard Brown for being our guest on the podcast. And, of course, we appreciate our regular contributors, Steve Overby, for taking us through his interesting week, Paul Kopsky for running down the scoreboard, and Greg Upton and Ben Vessa, who are out covering the games as our intrepid reporters. We're hoping to catch up with Joe Harris and Paul Halfacre next week. Thanks again, and we appreciate you listening to the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. (laughs) 